What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Very Dependent Podcast, where we depend on the Verde and Black for our everyday vibes. Today, we will spend the first half reviewing the LA Galaxy game before a game day atmosphere discussion. We will spend the second half reliving this season's frustrations and end it with a stoppage time rundown of the hottest Austin FC, MLS, and world footy storylines of the past week. I'm Logan Bartlett, a.k.a. Lobar. I'm Logan Jones, otherwise known as Lojo. What's up, people? This is Paul, a.k.a. Lopal. All right, let's get it. So the first half, LA Galaxy, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, I guess let's start with the good. We scored some goals as a team. Finally. Yeah, we had Finally three goals. goals. We created some chances. Like, we were actually kind of decent offensively. Three, thinks... three different goal scorers as well. True, true. So, Lojo, what do you think led this to this kind of explosion of goals, I guess you could say, compared to the greater work of the I... season? I couldn't tell you otherwise just, you know, some maybe some MLS after dark magic, man. Uh, the game went so late that it became MLS after dark. Uh, Facts, bro. <laughs> you know, in a game like that, anything can happen. Um, and I feel like we always just have this potential to score like this. But we it's just not normally there this season. I mean, I've, the, the potential's there. It, it's whether we actually decide to go for it yeah whether we um, decide to take a shot you know yeah yeah exactly just taking the shot is the first step uh without an actual striker too mind you True. <laughs> Absolutely. Paul, who was the striker this game uh some dude by the name of pasta no i'm just kidding uh emiliano Rigatoni. was, was the dude uh kind of playing that deputy role of of the striker this game yeah he had a beautiful run for that goal too for his yeah, for that uh, third banger. Yeah, that was that was <clears throat> yeah, that was fire. He did the thing one time. Paul sent me this Instagram video, on, and it was a dude practicing his uh his long runs as a striker, and it was like, don't just fucking slow down, run side to side, and then run forward. And that's what Rigoni did. I saw that, and I was like, that's the thing Paul sent me. <laughs> <laughs> that dude ran along the line and then fucking sprinted. It was hot. And it's interesting because we're only starting now to see Rigoni kind of on a consistent attacking form and, and in this like more central striker position too, right? Cause we're used to seeing him out on the wing. Yep. Um, so I'm curious to hear what y'all's thoughts are on, on how, I mean, obviously we already commented on, on his ability to run into, you know, the open space behind the line and stuff like that. But, um, you know, I've been seeing a couple things about like how he should be kind of starting as that, that nine. What do y'all I, think? I think, He's definitely a good option, a second option, or 1B with Jassy's artist, just based off his skill set. I feel like Jassy is going to be that person who can stand up a defender and, you know, try to out physical, you know, with physicality, try to beat him. But yeah. Rigoni has that one on one talent uh, that I think with transition, he can definitely easily get past a defender uh, with his speed that Jassy might be missing a step on these days. Yeah, man. I agree with that 100%. I think Rigoni obviously has the skill on the ball and the skill to, I mean, his role on the wing usually is sprint behind the line and, and you know, settle the ball and do something with it. So I think this is a more conducive area to do that style of play where we actually create a chance um, and not just let the ball sit out wide and, and just struggle. So I like it. I, I liked it a lot. I want to apologize to, uh, I think, I think Phoenix was talking about this on Twitter. Uh, like in June being like, we should see Ragoni at the, at the nine or at the, yeah, at the nine. And we, we need to see him and as a central forward and, and see what he could do there. Um, he's 
Rigoni really has, with the confidence he's had in this end of, at the end of the season, has stepped up and like really shown that he can play as a creative but also you know threatening attacker um, in in the center of the field. So I like. I him, think man. it also gives him a lot of many more different angles to get that shot off instead of having to come from the right wing uh, and come to the goal at an angle and really just be limited about where he can go. He's front facing at this goal at a nine position left right whatever it may be yeah he also had an assist in this game too which is he did yep. which is great i mean he had a, his probably his best game and unfortunately defensively we just didn't um we didn't keep up to to make it all worth it and i think that's a, a perfect way a perfect transition into the bad of this game which was our defense as a whole um jesus two goals scored in the last eight minutes of the game including stoppage time by la galaxy to tie this this game up um I mean, we've seen it time and time again where it's been the narrative of the season defensively where we're giving up goals in the last 15 minutes of a game over and over and over again. Um, it's frustrating, man, because you could put the blame on things like tired legs. You could put the blame on, um, you know, injuries throughout the season to our defense. Um, but at the end of the day, man, it's like we we had our best our four best defenders you know not including Matt Hedges but you know our most consistent defenders in terms of Julio, Leo, Galli and Lima out there and Valencia was playing his ass off for you know 75 minutes or so and it just all fell apart in kind of a blink of an eye so what do y'all what do y'all take away from our defense is after this game uh, i mean i think the theme here is if michael barrios is dunking on your defensive line your back line for a header whether that was to tie it whatever that you've got a problem you have a problem and i don't know if it's just tired legs leo shouldn't be tired he's been you know rehabbing for a decent amount of this season uh you know hasn't really seen a lot of gameplay he might just be you know not as fit but he doesn't have tired legs we all know julio's not exactly the fastest guy on the field but he has a head and shoulders advantage over Marco Barrios, and so does Leo Weiss in it. Uh, well, and, and you know, and so does so does Memo Rodriguez, who should have tracked him a little bit harder in yeah, order absolutely. to keep that that back post uh, header from happening. But I don't know if there's just not good communication because you know, last season, if things are out of whack, you see Ruben Gabrielson literally screaming at these dudes to get their yeah. shit together. Yeah. Right, and I I don't know. I mean. I don't know if the communication is there and just the urgency is the same as it has been. I yeah. agree with that, man. I, um, I don't know, man. It like, we're not about to sit here and say anything new that no one else has ever heard, uh, regarding this defense. Uh, my thing with particular regard to this exact match, which was such an anomaly considering how late it started, mm-hmm. um, the circumstances around the weather delay and all that stuff. We, I mean, it just goes back to my criticism being like the 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 level of like focus and intensity, you know, uh, just for, throughout from the opening whistle to the final whistle. Something about where we are at as a team uh, from just what it looks like on the pitch, something is missing for us to to really just be zeroed in on this full focus, you know. And you can kind of see it um, after after we let that second goal in. Um, from Jovalich because that was just one of those, like, um, you know, it was already well past like 1am at this point, Yeah, you know, like 
you can make an argument that the folks were getting just like mentally fatigued as opposed to like physical fatigue because we had gotten the subs in. Um, but I don't know, man. Uh, I just have a hard hard time trying to figure out what's going on with the focus in this group. And, you know, every, everyone can have their, their theory behind it, but um, whatever it is, it's not, it's not aligning to the central mission, which is to get three points and win, you know, um, yeah. against the opponent in front of them. Yeah. I think mental, mental tiredness is, is kind of spot on there. Like it's the, the littlest of things that are, that are causing these issues. Someone doesn't yeah. close out fast enough. Uh, someone isn't marking a man that's streaking to the box when that's, their job you know what i mean mm-hmm. um they're a step late to cover someone that's you know creating in a that's that's threatening in the box it's little tiny things that the fundamentals that they practice constantly every single day since they were a child you know what i mean yeah um so it's it's just frustrating to see the team get, get beat like this again um yeah man and, and you mentioned the subs and we'll go into that. Joe Vlitch is a sub for LA galaxy that gets a goal. Michael Barrios is a, is a sub for LA galaxy that gets a goal. Um, and there was a lot of criticism online by fans of Austin FC for the subs made, um, by Josh Wolf in this game. So going to the ugly, which is really just our, our depth as a team. Um, what option do we have, you know, with, with the team that the roster that was fielded in that game, what other options are there? Like how, how in that moment, nothing. I, I think with now this is Josh Wolf's decision, but with the bench that he had and the starters that he had, I think we really did what we could uh, with what was available. Now, do we make different players available? Maybe. Do we know if these players are, you know, maybe? Okay, maybe you see CJ Fodry, but what was? CJ Fodry going to do as a winger in this game when surely you're up 3-1 in the 75th minute you're probably not looking to make winger type moves you kind of want to get something defensive in there you're injecting pace into the defense essentially yeah right right. yeah right and you know I don't think it would be a bad idea at that point to really look into a uh, more defensive focused transition to play style and your substitution method um so I don't know, man, because there's really not anybody else available on the defense that I think, I mean, you know, we started Valencia. He would probably be a sub that I would usually consider because of how fantastic he is at that six and just playing right above that defensive front. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I can't, I can't think of anything else. Yeah. Paul, any thoughts there? Yeah. I mean, this is going to just kind of reinforce what, I think we've said, you know, on on the pod before, which is something has to be done with regards to revamping the the roster, you know, mm-hmm. to some degree. Because is it isn't it an improvement from 2021 when we were in this kind of situation where we were fielding the likes of Kekutamane, Manny Perez, and mm-hmm. and you know uh, that caliber of player? I would agree, yeah, you know. But yeah. something is happening where you know we're getting, you know incrementally better players but you know uh this is a criticism that we're hearing about wolf which is you know he's not actively selecting the folks that you know theoretically should be ready you know like mm-hmm. brendan craig where's he at you know yep. um sophie and jafal where's yep. he at because like the the moments that he's had you know uh on the pitch like we just didn't see enough to really make a definitive yep. statement on how he is as a player but from what i saw i mean that's a dynamic 
you know, young midfielder that's hungry for, um, you know, just helping out this team in, in whatever yeah. capacity he has the physicality to compete defensively. Exactly. Too, right? Exactly. Um, so my thing is that like the, the, the subs aren't the issue for this, this match itself. I go back to the focus, um, you know, like if Vicenin closed down on Perez right before he makes that cross to Barrios and memo on the other side closes down a little bit harder and doesn't like, uh, slow down his, his run. I mean, this is a different game that we're talking about. This is a different result, obviously. But, um, I mean, I'm just going to be really paying attention to this offseason, you know, when we start really making those moves and we start seeing Roto Cook uh, behind Absolutely. the scenes and and, yeah. and getting this together. Because um, just looking at the Galaxy themselves, they've they've went and created a whole competing roster. Right. That, you right. know, uh, under you a You look band. at their midseason season acquisitions yeah. yep yeah you know barrios i forgot that they signed him he's a solid guy off the bench just yeah. go out there zoom around you know diego being one of those uh who else did y'all mention as some of those uh, mid-season he got they got edwin Cerillo too from yeah, yeah. houston mm-hmm. yeah who right played, you know right i mean they really flipped this team it's a different My, team yoshida was another season. one sorry yeah. Yoshida, yeah yeah no keep keep them coming because we i Billy don't think Sharp. it was <laughs> Billy, Billy Sharp. Sharp. Yes, yep. Billy Sharp, dude. And you look at how much they just revamped that offense. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. how deep they made this offense. I don't think it's spoken about enough. It's true. Yeah. And it, I see, and then on the flip side, you see Austin FC. This is where a lot of my frustration comes when it comes to Josh Wolf and like how he's playing players and or in this case, not playing players. The bet, the guys that we have on the bench like Hector Jimenez, right? Like CJ Fodry, Brandon Craig, in this specific case, Will Bruin, who just got a concussion six days ago, who was never going to play anyway. Why the fuck are they even on the bench if you're not going to play them? Or they're not ready to play given certain circumstances, right? I'm going to be 100% real here. I don't rarely ever want to see OMH play Hector. But in this (laughs) scenario, if you're ever going to play him in a season, this is the scenario to play him. When you're up 3-1 in the 80th minute, you have a yeah. seasoned veteran whose defensive instinct has been crafted over a 15-year career, you know? Like, right. this is a guy you want to put in and say, okay, Hector, go in at right back, cheat inside real hard, and clog the box. Don't let anybody fucking get past you, right? Right. And his old legs should be able to do that because he's playing 10 minutes, he's playing deep, he's not having to sprint, he's just having and to And he'd be a hero, bro. He would be right. a hero. <laughs> right, and then and then you look at Brandon Craig, same thing. Like, yeah. he's a Owen Wolf's men's national team, like youth national team teammate. He's, you know, has a good future in, in the national team roster and whatnot. Like he's talked about in that regard and he's not even prepared to play or, or more so Josh Wolf hasn't prepared him and the staff hasn't prepared him to play 10 to 15 minutes when we're up two goals. You know what I mean? Like against a generally poor team when you look at the, the season long, right? I know they're better mm-hmm. now. They've revamped the roster themselves, but they were still behind us in the standings, right? With five right. games left. So it's little things like that. Like, why are these dudes on the bench if they're not even ready to play in any scenario? When we're up 3-1 and you want to go to a five-back and really pack the box, put in a six-foot-one center back and a 10-year veteran defender and let them shut it down. You know what I mean? That's a fair point. Yeah. That's, that, that is a fair point. I'm not too much of a fan of Hector, but in the situations that he's important, there's those ones where you need smart heads-up play. Right, someone yeah. who just like I know just how to play my position and hold a right. lead. You know what I mean? So that that's where the frustration came with me. It's like, dude, why are these dudes on the bench if they're not going to play ever? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, 
put Jafal in, but you know, he's not ready to play. It's like all these little things. I know injuries, blah, 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 blah. still, we have these dudes on the man, on the roster. They should be ready to play or else. Why are they on this team? You know? Yep. Anyway, let's move on. Let's look at halftime here. Um, so we'll switch kind of going on this theme of, uh, you know, frustrations, poor performance and whatnot. We'll take that into this conversation about game day atmosphere and kind of flip it on its head into some positives. So, over the summer, we asked you, our listeners on Twitter, um, what you love most about being an Austin FC fan and what resonates most with you on game days. Um, far and away, you all said that the community, the fans and the friendships made, the vibes in the South End or anywhere on the stadium, and Lamurga were what you love most. Maybe one person total mentioned anything about having to, or anything having to do with the play on the field. And we think that's pretty telling. So with that in mind, Paul, I'm going to start with you. What future did you see for Austin FC during that LA Galaxy game where Q2 was mostly empty and the team put up another lackluster performance? Yeah, man, that's that's a tricky uh, invite there to a, a deeper discussion, but it's yeah. not. You were you were the you were in uh, PNC BBVA <laughs> yeah. for a couple of years, man. You know what it's already like. Chill, exactly. bro. Come on. Chill. <laughs> so, for those that aren't aware, um, <laughs> aren't aware. Right. Uh, you know, at a, in a, in a past life, I, I lived in Houston and I, I did, uh, go to Houston Dynamo games before. And, um, to say that the atmosphere there was, you know, non-existent, you know, it, it's, that's a, that's a fair shout because, um, there were poorly attended games, you know, you did have your diehard fans and you still had a little bit of sound coming out from the supporter section out there. Um, but what was interesting was, I juxtapose Sunday night's game uh, that moment in the thunderstorm or not the thunderstorm, excuse me, but just that, that like rainstorm, that hailstorm yeah. when the, the supporter section was just vibing with the Merga. And it was just kind of this like tribal, almost like I just need to be making loud sounds with like other people around me in the middle of a storm, you know, just yeah. to kind of like have this cathartic release um, that was really cool. That was that was something that I'll never forget as an Austin FC fan. Um, but oh, yeah. after that, once the clouds went away and the game started playing, and a lot of the fans had left, you know, mind you, because it was a late kickoff, mm-hmm. I I just had a quick vision into like what this could potentially look like in year five or six if the things weren't going the way that we were wanting them to as fans, where this the shine you know, just kind of fades away from mm-hmm. the new product, which is the team. Um, we're not getting the results. And so fans start just kind of leaving. And, you know, the Merga will always be there through thick and thin. We're, yep. we're always going to keep playing for for the team and, and for the community. But, you know, um, I just I saw something very similar and akin to the the environments that I had seen as a Houston Dynamo supporter back when that team was bottom of the of the table. Um, really struggling to get results uh, for the fans. And and that was a whole different situation because that front office just absolutely did not care um, to be involved with the community at all. And we're starting to see things like that change over there in Houston uh, under the ownership of Ted Siegel and, and, and that whole front office there now. But Right. um, I just, yeah, man, I just had that glimpse. I was like, Oh shit, this is the first game I've ever been to where the seats are not full 
the the game is just kind of like this secondary thing happening to the party in the the south stand yep. and it just kind of got to me man when i went home i I'm, i did put that little poll out where i was just like would you rather just kind of have a mediocre you know lackluster uh, game day atmosphere but your team that you go see is like winning you know consistently mm-hmm. or would you rather have this kind of like lively party what have you um to distract you from the lack of wins happening on the pitch and and um lojo go ahead you know i think the wins will bring that crowd you know Always. if you build it they will come I, I don't think we have to worry about this truly if we go back to what we were doing last season right um i agree so I, I don't I don't worry about it. I think you just have to your foundation is go out there and win. Yeah. Go out there and win. For those Raiders fans, just win, baby. Yeah. Right. They don't do it either. They don't do it either. But I mean, that's the that's the motto. But it it brings up an interesting <laughs> point though, right? Because you have, you know, uh folks in the in the Austin FC community um that they look at what we're doing here as like this community endeavor. Um, and they love the relationships that that they've made along the way, which, you know, rightfully so. I've loved getting to share these things with with you guys and yeah. like with the other friends that I've met uh, along the way. Yeah. Um, but, you know, as a sports fan, I like winning, man, you know, and. Um, well, how, well, how many people in the other three quarters of that stadium feel the same way? I know right. I know that sentiment's yeah. very alive in the South End. Right. But how many people in those seats, actual seats, not standing, mm-hmm. yeah. carry that same community family exactly. type thing? Exactly. Yeah. It's not a lot. It's it's not a majority. Yeah. yeah. It's true, man. And, and looking at um you are thinking more so about right, you said like is always going to be there. The South End environment, some version of it will always be there. But if the team continues to struggle, you know, over more long form, like multiple seasons and whatnot, um, from like a, like a more minute level, we're going to see like people who's like, Oh, my friends are here or, you know, my friends go to the game. So I want to hang out with them. Some of those people are going to start not going as often because they get busy and the team's not as good or, you know, the price of the ticket doesn't match the product on the field. You know, we start to get to a little bit more disconnection. We get to a lack of community if things get worse on the field and people start dipping out, you know, so that, like going to what Lojo said, like if we keep doing well in the field, people will keep coming. If we keep doing bad, people will stop coming and there will yeah. be less of that environment and community that is keeping people around based on what our listeners hold us, you know? Yeah, no. And, and I think as a warning to, you know, like the Austin FC fans, it's, it's kind of like, if you just look at our in-state rivals for, for both Dallas and Houston, you know, my experience with Houston started, you know, when I was going to games, uh, you know, back in like 2012 and all that stuff, they were still kind of in the, in their heyday of being contenders in playoffs and stuff like that. Um, and it was just one of those things where like over time you start seeing the disconnect between the front office and what the fans are doing and, and that, that chasm just kind of grows. And so that's why it's so important for us, you know, that we do build the foundation in these first couple of years to make it as strong as we can now um, because we do understand that like over time it's going to kind of chip away, but we want to be able to get back to that environment that we had, uh, you know, back in that playoff match against Dallas, you know, last yep. October, cause that was, that was crazy. And, uh, um, yeah. we want to get back to those, those days for sure. Definitely, man. Definitely. Well, let's end it here. This discussion, um, we're going to take a quick break yeah. before we move on or, you know, go into our discussion about, uh, 
or season's frustrations and kind of where they started. All right, we're back. Uh, quick disclaimer. We are live watching the uh, Inter-Miami game, Houston Open Cup game, the Philly game, and, and all the other games that are on right now. So if you hear us exclaim loudly, it's because we're watching them. But We're watching footy, geez. We're watching footy. But um, yeah, so we wanted to discuss, you know, for each of us personally, at what moment during the season did our frustrations peak and kind of set us on this path of, you know, shit talking constantly. Um, and so I, I guess really just that's, that's the question. At what point in the season did your frustrations peak? Lojo, I'm going to hand it to you first, bro. What, what was it for you this year? Um, you were there. You're present for this. It was the Chicago fire uh, open cup game where we're over here hyping it up, bro. We're going all in for the open cup. We have nothing else to play for. Yep. Got, you know, Blown out embarrassingly out of the you know Comic Cap Champions League. We're out, we're not looking good for the playoffs. We're going to open cup. And we just throw out a stinker. It was terrible. The fucking stinker, dude. It was awful. I, did we even get a shot like a shot on goal that game? I'm, that was anything. I'm looking it up now because I feel like I'm trying got, like I like doubt two. I don't think we got much on target, if not like more than two. Yeah, and it was sounds... just embarrassing. Let's see here. Yeah, it was it was a rough game. I yeah, remember that. Um, we had two we, shots. On we target. definitely put a lot of weight into this, and it's just kind of like, dude, is this yeah. our best? That game was crazy, bro. That fucking sucked. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. We had two goals on target total. That's what it was. Uh, nice. <laughs> yeah, man, that was hella frustrating. I'm, I'm not gonna lie, that was also mine. Uh, I, really, there's a lot of frust- frustrating moments throughout this season, but I, I went back to our first few episodes we recorded and that was like may going into june and um our fourth episode of the very dependent podcast was the first time where we were like yo this shit sucks <laughs> like we had a full, <laughs> we had a full discussion about that, was open that cup game we were is like that the lost files or are we talking no no this is like this is fourth public episode of of the podcast we, we recorded a few episodes before we did you know put one out obviously so we didn't suck but the team did and in, in may Still on may 24th yeah we did suck um <laughs> <laughs> on may 24th against chicago we sucked uh booty and uh it was tough to to listen back to man i was trying to find to to be completely frank with the audience uh for all you you know wolf out crew who you know wanted to say that we're staunchly wolf in areas i'm talking about you because <laughs> i I already told you this. I've said Wolf out on this podcast, probably six or seven different episodes. And so I knew when we were planning this episode, I needed to go back and find which one it was. And I don't know if I staunchly (laughs) said Wolf out in the fourth episode, but that was like where it started. I was like, yo, this is whack. Because we were talking about, you know, is it Reyna or is it Wolf to blame for our roster and and the depth? And we were all like, I mean, it's a little bit of both if we're looking, you know, long term. But at that point, that's where like the Wolf frustration really really started and uh man that was crazy dude we sucked butt at that time we didn't win a single game in april and then we went out and like barely did shit in may lost this game so yeah that was the same for me man and i, and I had to go back to the to the records to to find that so yeah wolf out kind of sort of right shit <laughs> paul what was it for you dog 
Man, it was, uh, I think the important part about this question is where did it peak? Because I can tell you the first part where I really started to feel some type of way was Violet away, bro. Mm. Um, And something told me then like, hey, this ain't looking too pretty if this is how we're handling these types of situations for tournament play. Um, But like a loyal fan, I immediately became a goldfish, forgot about it, and we moved on to the next thing, right? Um, Where all of these little things, death by a thousand cuts kind of uh, Mm -hmm. peaked for me was for the League's Cup. And it was the results against Mazatlan and Juarez for me. Yeah. Um, that ultimately were the like, I can't, dude. Like, like something's got to change, right? Um, yeah, I hear that. And I know that you know we we have gone on the podcast. I know you've you've mentioned being wolf out. I've mentioned like there's so many other things, but at that point in time, uh, mid July, like early August, it felt like it was still too early, you know, mm-hmm. to to change up. Uh, then Portland went through and cut um, Gio Savarisi out mm-hmm. and um, kind of, you know, they um, they started that experiment. And then now everyone is asking for for Josh, Josh's seat to be um, be vacant. So yeah. at that point, man, it's tough, dude, because that was our last chance you know, of the four uh, tournaments that we were eligible for silverware. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we just like, you know, first one, eight shit, second one, eight shit, third one, eight shit. And yeah. this, four, like the fourth one would have been MLS cup. We're going to eat shit, you know, but yeah, we have um, to win out the season to well, yeah. even maybe make it to the play playing. So anyway, and it's just, it's just, yeah, man, it's, it's, it's unfortunate. So yeah. I don't know. Here's the better days and, um, and wolf out probably. Yeah, probably maybe. And, and Paul, <laughs> I think one, one, that analogy of death by a thousand cuts, I think that per- perfectly describes this season in terms of like what's been most frustrating or, you know, how the frustrations built up over time. Yeah. And you make a good point. You know, you, you mentioned that, like, when did it peak for you, that frustration? Um, my answer doesn't change because that, that stretch, like I kind of, hit that high going coming out of Chicago and just mm-hmm. rode that way for a little bit until maybe like the Seattle game or something, or I don't, I don't even remember that would have been like right after that. So probably later than yeah. that, regardless, like I rode that way for, for a hot minute. I was pretty wolf out for a while there. And then I think I just hit a point of like resignation to the season. Yeah. And I was like, all right, fuck it. We have least cup. Let's see what happens there. Obviously that was frustrating. And I think just taking those, you know, cut after cut after cut at, at that point on, and knowing that, you know, we hire Roto, Roto backs Josh Wolf, we're not going to fire him at least this season. Um, and that mindset, it was like, well, here we are, I guess, yeah. to be hopeful, you know, like, I hope it works out. And then, and really, too, with the Chicago game, like, that was really before the trend of injuries all season really Correct. settled. Like we had had injuries, of course, at that point, but it was, we mm-hmm. were, we were hopeful. Like, oh, maybe it's it just was, this. yeah, it was like mainly just like Julio, Leo and Alex, I think mainly at that point. Yeah. You know? And, and Kulmanich, but yeah, he was, oh, right. Uh, yeah. yeah was season long. But yeah, I mean, yeah, there were injuries at that point, but we've seen so many more since then, you know? And so I was yeah. hopeful, like, hopefully they come back and we're all good and everybody stays healthy. And that just wasn't the case. And just that point of resignation is where things just kind of like plateaued and it was like, oh, fuck it. So yeah, that peak, man. It's tough. Um, you know what sucked about peaking at fucking League's Cup was the early exit 
And then you turn around and your first game is away at St. Louis. Like, fuck, dude. Yes. And then that fucking stinker of a game, dude. Oh, my God, dude. <laughs> yeah. What was, the, what was it? 6-3 or something? Yeah. Yeah. 6-3. Yeah. That fucking, was it. Um, and, and karma for talking shit about San Antonio FC just now. Samuel Adenarin, the right. backup yeah. striker who helped carry San Antonio FC to the championship last year, put a brace on us or some shit. Like, yeah. Damn. And and it should be noted too for the fellow listener, we also support Chelsea uh, on this podcast, and so Stop. all of those cuts are just doubled. You know, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's like watching the same team. Uh, it's the same team <laughs> twice, just yeah. really be- better players on one. If that, my G, if that, you know, uh, no. better than Austin FC players. For sure. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, not too much on Julio. Okay. <clears throat> Dude, I Julio, wanna... <laughs> Julio would start on Chelsea's center back line. Calm down, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> just y'all y'all want to hear just... something something funny as fuck? I might have texted you this, but I, when I was listening back to those early episodes to find where I said Wolf out first, we had a full like conversation about how we're like staunchly <laughs> supportive of Julio Cascante. We don't tolerate slandering Julio. Yeah. And now well, I'm out here like, know, bro. You know, Paul's. That was y'all too, G. That was no, y'all no, too. Know. You were supportive because you were like, if I, well, I'll give him a chance, I guess. Whatever, dude. Y'all have I fun. just show up and support, G. Exactly. I just thought that was funny. But yeah, Lojo was know, about man. it though. He's like, he's tall like me. Okay. <laughs> <Die. Chill. laughs> I got the jersey. I got he's the, the jersey. best one. oh man tough dude i don't know like paul said on to better days like better days ahead well we just we'll just show up and support and have a good time dangle austin fc baby oh also uh dangle dangle austin fc fucking (laughs) i I didn't dale exactly dale fc i did not confirm this i'm gonna do this now but before we get to stoppage time what makes this you know this resignation even uh, deeper at this point is rumors of Driussi being out for the season. Did y'all see that? Mm, yep. That, that, uh, I don't know, man. Um, I know I got, top I got, flight talked about it. Yeah. I got, I got mad love for, for the boys over at top flight. Um, but I, I just, I have to hear it from yeah. a different source. <laughs> I, I, I don't, they don't miss often. So like, yeah, I'm going to take that with the smallest grain of salt and just exactly. wait until confirm. Exactly. But like, they're probably, he's probably out for a while, yeah. if not the rest of the season. If that's and what honestly, they're hearing, it, so. he, he probably needs that. You know, he should probably just recover if we're thinking long term, if we're thinking for next season. You know, this has been yeah. the longest season period. And, and so, um, that's also another, um, add to injury because yeah. it's like literally we couldn't do anything across this span of, all those games, you know, yeah, we and didn't our rivals one. can, yeah, our rivals can say, hey, look, by the way, it's the longest MLS season. And yeah, here we are. Here we are in yeah, an Open in, Cup final. In third place in the West in an Open Cup final. So with anyway. a brand new coach. Anyway. <laughs> right. Uh, stop time. Stop time. So we, we mentioned that we're watching the Miami-Houston game right now, but um, what are y'all's predictions? So to Messi's out. He's not playing. He's not on the roster. Hello, Joe. I'm going to hand it to you first. What is your prediction for this game after 90? I'm watching right now. Um, I still think Miami wins. Uh, oh, man. Miami wins? Oh. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Houston take it to, to penalties and win in penalties or something like that because their form has been really good. And uh, Miami's without Alba and Messi. 
So and Kamal Miller is he not playing? I don't no, know. Kamal's on the field. Yeah. Sorry, I couldn't. I, I didn't Austin see his FC name. Legend so. baby. Facts. Stuff with like the seventy seventh minute goal wins. <laughs> yeah, right. I can see that, Paul. I I mean, I have Houston taking it honestly, um, mainly because the the pressure is more on Miami to perform at home in another or in another Cup final um, with this time without Messi and and. Uh, you know, uh, Jordi Alba. So my thing is it's going to be a close one, but I think Houston being unbeaten in six, I think they, they find a way to edge out uh, Miami and, and get another cup. So, yeah. And we're right now at zero, zero in the 20th minute. So yeah. 21st minute. So we'll, we'll see um, another prediction to make the Campionis cup is tonight, which is LAFC, the winner of last season's MLS season versus Tigres, which was the winner of the game at season last year um so who do y'all think wins it i mean this is a rematch for them they met up in 2020 and tigres took that so mm-hmm. what do y'all think paul i'm gonna start with you uh yeah this one's gonna be interesting i'm gonna go with uh tigres probably edging this one out word lojo probably so but i'm gonna root for the lafc you know the root for the mls here yeah i'd be cu- i'm curious to see how they play it because you know, mm-hmm. we've mentioned it a thousand times, but it's a long ass season and we're near the tail end of it. And LAFC's players are near the end of it. You know, they've been playing a shit ton of games. So I'm curious to see, you know, if rotation's a thing in any way and like bring in some guys off the bench late in the game. Uh, the are in the middle of their season. So like, you know, this is important, but also they got games to play too after this. Um, so I'm just curious one, to see. Yeah, this one is less important out of, I would argue, the two big matches happening tonight. Like, mm-hmm. You know, Open Cup, that's the historic, you know, like the MLS fans should definitely be tuned in. You know, the big U.S. soccer heads would be yeah. on that one. This one is more of a cash grab, to be honest. Um, and sure. any chance to see LAFC lose, uh, I'm about it. Yeah. Except yeah. for Daddy Buwanga. Yeah, Somehow he has to win. But he's the, He needs to win some a hat trick <laughs> in the loss. <laughs> right. Um, no, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see LAFC take it. You know, they're yeah. still... They're they're in good form still in general, and it's at home for them. Um, so we'll see. But I think LAFC takes it. Um, moving on to the Carabao Cup. So some results from today. Uh, you know, we we talked about Chelsea giving us more cuts this season. But oh my gosh, bro. Sorry. That was crazy. Was Houston? Houston almost yes, dude. Tough. Yes, Drake calendar. Drake yeah. calendar, dude. Damn, dude. But uh Looking All across right. the pond, uh, Chelsea's given us lots of cuts this year. What a snag. Oof, and a footsie. Um, Chelsea won 1-0 against Brighton today in the Carabao Cup. That's the whole point of this. With rotated squad, um, Agent Sanchez did his best to sell the game for us, mm-hmm. but but we took the tub nonetheless on the back of DDA Jackson. So, uh, yeah, that was cool. Any other thoughts on that game while we're here? Brother, that's a win, and that's I will win. gladly celebrate that. Yeah. Hell those. yeah. Fuck them seagulls. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> I, I Honestly, it could be a good confidence boost. I keep saying this. I keep going back to this. Anything could be a confidence boost, especially for some of these guys like Nico. You know, he really should have yeah. had that brace. I didn't watch the game. I was working. It was a brace. The, yeah, it was a brace because that, that yeah, would have been offside. considered a goal. No, that was not offsides. Um, so, you know what? Just go out there. And Brighton's not a bad team. You know, Brighton is not the Brighton that we think of. Uh, they're definitely yeah, a they're scoring goals. Uh, European. They're a European side. They're going to be playing European soccer for a few years, and you know, coming yeah. up here soon. They're creating 
amazing talent. You know, it's a good team. So I think it's a good win. And then Manchester nice. City lost. So, you know, the the road to the English treble just got that much easier. Exactly. Yeah. So Man City lose to Newcastle and then Aston Villa lose to Everton. Um, both formidable opponents. So that's what's up. Like like Lojo said. Yeah. And I think that the interesting thing about the Everton result there is, you know, for as bad in the mud as they are right now, um, uh, a bright spot for them is the return of uh, Dominic Calvert-Lewin. Lewin, Yeah. Um, they're, you know, he's a seasoned striker for yeah. sure. And now that he's back in, in good health, you know, he ended up getting the go-ahead goal uh, for them to win. Sorry, goal. My bad. H-Town, hold it down. That was cute. That was the cutest son I've ever heard in my life. Oh, oh my God. Is that Dorsey? That is Dorsey. Oh, thick Andy Corns. Bam. All right. Well, Houston up 1 0 in the 26. So hope we didn't spoil it. No, I'm kidding. Obviously, this is the next day. Um, right. But yeah, that's crazy, dude. Anyway, uh, that boy Griffin Dorsey going hard now. Um, yeah, man bun. Yeah, dude. Sick. Um, but yeah, anyway, I was just going to say Everton, it, there might be some light at the end of the the bleak tunnel there. They might start, you know, getting some good results back. So, yep. Heard that, man. Uh, moving on. Shout out to Megan Rapino, man. Um, she finished her women's national team career uh, this this past month. Uh, yep. Paul, tell us more. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, one of one of the most iconic women's national team players. Um, you know, this past decade, um, you know, just want to make sure that folks remember, you know, the, the type of player that she was, you know, um, and I think she's finishing out her NWSL career, uh, this year at OL rain. And it's just going to be one of those like names that we're definitely going to be seeing around, like, even after her retirement, she'll probably end up being like as a broadcaster and all that stuff. But Mm -hmm. uh, just what she did on and off the pitch, uh, just want to make sure that folks remember that she was an awesome uh, role model in that regard. And, and just definitely want to say, you know, shout out Megan. So facts, man. Facts. Yeah. Uh, Lojo, the Seattle Sounders officially unveiled their new logo rebrand. What are your thoughts, man? Uh, I think they really kind of went with that simplistic simplicity look, just kind of modern. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, and I'm not a too big of a fan of those. So man, I, I like I it. Know. It's cool, but I'm, it's just like every, like, it's just cookie cutter at this point where everyone just goes with this simplicity style look. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I, I just like a little fair. bit of, I like a little bit of character. Sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it's very like NBA, you know what I mean? Yeah, like the very, it's very, very much supersonic vibe. Yeah, which is sick. What I liked was they had like a little brand kit that they put out with like six different designs. One was yeah. the badge itself with like the crest and the tower, but they had one with a little orca on it and like the Seattle Sounders with like a cool wave through the sounder. Um, I think it's just like a nice little brand kit they put together that it's going to create some cool merch. Like there's already a cool hat going around with the orca on it. Um, I like, I think it's sleek, but to your point, Lojo, it is fun when you get some, like that steeped in tradition, creativity, that's very like interesting. And it's one of the oldest teams in the U S you know, so like 50 years now, almost, or I guess now going into next year. Anyway, Paul, you like it? I think it's fresh, man. Um, what was I going to say that, that really detailed look on it, uh, with the kind of texture, um, 
Mm-hmm. It just, it, I don't know, man, it's going to look really cool. I know there were some fans that were like, Oh, I, I don't know how it's going to look on a primary green kit, but um, yeah, I think it was Mike Cragnola uh, on uh, Twitter that had mentioned that it might be a possibility that they start switching over to a more like primary blue style kit for that contrast to really show, which would be, which would be cool. So yeah, I agree. Um, yeah, man. I, I think what sold it for me is I saw a, a mock-up uh, showing the logo in that like raised metallic crest yeah. style yeah. on a jersey like like Chelsea does. Mm-hmm. And that looked fucking sick. Like I was yeah. like, oh, that would be badass. Just having the like outline of the crest and the tower and the the numbers and whatnot in that kind of raised crest. I thought that'd be cool. Um, uh, lastly, let's move on to the last thing here. Austin FC 2. They play their first ever playoff match this Friday. Uh, They've been chosen. They've been chosen. So yeah, September 29th, they're playing away at Sporting Kansas City too. Um, They fell, Austin FC fell to fourth place in the West, which means they were not able to choose their opponent and host a game. They were instead chosen by SKC who's hosting it. Um, So the likelihood of hosting a playoff match here at Parmer Field is pretty slim. It's really just dependent on future rounds. If you make it out of this round at a lot of the lower seeds advance and we end up being one of the higher seeds, you know, out of the remaining group, we could hypothetically host one, but it's just not very likely um, unless a lot of the lower seeded teams make deep runs. So, but I'm excited, man. I, I really wish it was at Parmer Field. I think that would really do a lot for this fan base, especially now with how poor the first team is. Like if you're able to host a game, this weekend that'd be fucking sick but you know they're still in yep. it they, they slipped a little bit but i believe you know hopefully kip comes back i'm not actually sure what his injury timeline is but hopefully he's back for that and maybe fodry gets some minutes with the playoff team so yeah what are y'all's thoughts man paul what do you think yeah i i want to piggyback off of your uh cj shout because um it's been tough to see him take the the leap over to the first team uh, but not not getting the same amount of love and attention and, and minutes as he has been, obviously, like with the Austin FC2 squad. So I think I would like to see that situation where, you know, both him and Damien um, can maybe help kind of bolster that um, that playoff run for them. Yeah. But I also, you know, to the, the whole credit of what this uh, team is supposed to be about, which is the development of these players and, if they're getting themselves in a position enough to be called up for the first squad, you know, theoretically that would be a bigger honor, so to speak, but um, yeah. you know, but, it is what it is. And uh, hope, hope the best for the boys away at um, SKC. Yeah, for sure, man. And Lojo to, to what Paul's saying there, we saw all season Kip Keller start for Austin FC two and be on the bench, not all season, but the second half of the season, at least after he got taken out of timeout. Um, he was seeing the bench for Austin FC and starting every second team game. Um, why, why, why do you think we're not seeing that for Damien and CJ at this point? They're not playing anyway. So <laughs> that's a good question. I think we, you know, as soon as we finally get that E next to our name in the table, mm-hmm. I think that's when we start seeing those types of moves. Where they where they that's play fair. more, yeah. That's yeah. good. I'd like to see yeah. Damien start a couple games at the end of the uh, year. I would. I've been saying that yeah. for uh, so long. It's true, man. I've been saying it's true. Well, good luck to the boys. Hopefully, they they get the win in, in SKC, and we'll 
see where they oh, end up moving forward. But um, that's a pen on Houston or ooh. a pen on Miami. Tough, Houston dude. shoots. Wow. DeAndre like Yedlin got beat, bro. Tough, bro. All right, well, we're going to end this so we can watch this game. Um, yeah. <laughs> let's wrap it up. Appreciate y'all kicking it with us on this week's episode of the Very Dependent Podcast. I've been Logan Bartlett. Catch me on Twitter at LobarVHLM. Love you. I'm Logan Jones. You can find me at the Lolo Jones. Yeah, I'm going to hit that pause too real quick. Okay. I've been Paul. You can find me at Paul Andrew FC. <laughs> That's a government name, by the way. Government name. I was hitting that pause too. I didn't get to do it. Government name. Get right. Uh, See what happens when you give us a game to watch. Or, I know. Uh, I know. I, I was on his phone. G. No, bro, I'm over here. I'm watching Drake. I'm seeing. I'm looking at Drake Calendar. My guy. This guy. Maybe, Crazy, you know, maybe we go after him. Maybe we go after him. <laughs> I, how much do you think? About that. How much you think? Hey, hey. How much you think Drake Calendar costs? Hey, I think. I think a, a maxi Drake Calendar trade is super fair. That's even. If you <laughs> I ask think me. that's super even. As Drake says, honestly, that sounds like a fair trade to me. Right. Facts. All right. Uh, yeah. Thanks for listening, y'all. Uh, keep chatter going online. And let's, there's a penalty going on right we're now. Just gonna, we're just going to draw now. Yeah. Let's reaction. watch this penalty real quick. Uh, it's Bossy Oh, that was the it. weakest shot ever. Drake counter felt. I don't want Drake anymore. I don't want to keep him in Miami. No, you want him. Oh, too tough, bad. Dude, tough. Too bad. You're getting him now. Yeah. What? All right, Houston up 2-0. Lojo, you owe us 20 bucks or something because you said Miami is going to win. Bye. No, I <laughs> <laughs>